Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. What a game. I mean, historic. As the 52 Super Bowls go, I know it's fresh in everyone's mind, but this has to be as memorable as any. And if you're an impartial fan, which I would imagine the highest percentage of you guys are, of course there's Eagles and Patriots fans out there, and I'm sure there's some Patriot haters too, um, you had to enjoy the heck out of this one though. I mean, no defense. Really... Neither defense made a play except for one, the Brandon Graham sack, strip. The most yardage in any football game that's ever been played at the NFL level. Not in the playoffs, not compared to the other 51 Super Bowls. The most yardage ever. The Patriots... (laughs) The Patriots never punted in this game. And racked up over 600 yards of offense. And lost. And deserved to lose. The better team won. We'll talk about a lot of different things, of course. But some huge points here. The defenses, obviously, both were terrible. And totally outmanned. But New England's, in particular, looked really slow and old. Especially their linebackers. And, like, with all respect to James Harrison, like, if you're playing him a ton of snaps, says who you got, you know? Like, I just want to mention this because I thought I might forget it. But Brandon Graham had the big play. Like I said, on defense, there was only one big play in this game, which is really unbelievable. Including the the interception by, you know, the one that that Alshon tipped up and the ball bounced around and Harmon pulled it in. I guess it's a big play because you actually stop somebody from scoring, which is huge in this game. But that, to me, that was almost as equal to a punt as it was a turnover. Um, but Cox, Graham, Flowers were the three best you know, defensive linemen, more or less. I thought they all applied pressure and didn't play bad. And I thought Foles and Brady did a really good job moving around the pocket, buying time in Brady-like manners, you know, small steps within the pocket, buy time. And then the secondaries were exposed, the rest of the pass rush other than that. And those are just some pressures. I mean, like, it was, so I don't want to make it sound like those stars were non-existent. But, man, I mean, so much fun stuff. A well-played game. I thought a well-officiated game. A not a lot of self-inflicted errors or dumb things with illegal formations or people jumping off sides or that kind of stuff. I mean, it was a well-played, high-end coached game. You know, a high-end coach game where you got to give the Eagles the advantage in coaching. But, you know, again, there were not a lot of self-inflicted wounds. The refs didn't have to get too far involved. Um, The two plays... Where the refs did get involved, I have no problems with. You know, that the Ertz, Ertz caught the ball at like the five-yard line, secured it, and I hate this stupid catch rule, and I'm so happy that that's not what everyone's talking about today. It's the catch rule. And I am, I want to mention this too, that I'm really excited that Roger Goodell, one of the best things I've heard come out of his mouth in a long time is, we are going to totally start over with the catch rule this offseason. Good. Great. It's the best thing I've heard in a while. Don't even, take it all from scratch. 
But anyways, Ertz catches the ball, has it as a runner, as if he were a Cam Newton running the ball or a wider you know, running back, breaks the plane, that plane of glass shatters with the football, and after that it doesn't matter what happens. And even so, he had the ball. So to me, that was much ado about nothing. That was, okay, review it. But that was not a close call to me. Um, the Corey Clements catch, by the way, that was an awesome throw by Foles, the, the, the Corey Clements catch. Um, and it was a great play by, by him as well. It was a tremendous play. I thought that could have gone either way. And because the way it was called on the field, I'm happy with it, stuck with it. But to me, that was a coin flip in terms of did the refs get it right or not. So, there you have it. Um, where do we start? I mean, I have some really good stats for you guys. I'm probably going to save those for the end. Let's talk, I guess, when Philly had the ball. Let's start with Malcolm Butler, actually. I'm not saying they would win with Malcolm Butler, but this is mysterious and odd. Not that... Obviously, there's some discipline involved. He screwed up, apparently, before this game in some way, shape, or form. Although they're saying, we wanted to play... We just didn't... He just didn't fit into the game plan. But, and he was ill leading up to this game. He was crying before the game. Maybe in an emotional situation, but maybe because he'd just been told, hey, when we go to nickel-dime, you're not playing. He hasn't played special teams since 2015. That's something I read today. I haven't charted his special team snaps. And that's the only time he got on the field was on special teams. So it's not like he's one of their best special teams players or a core special team guy. Hasn't played special teams all year. But was obviously healthy enough to put out there on special teams. So it wasn't like it was an injury situation. Okay. They they played a high percentage of snaps. And I'm going to look into this when, you know more with four safeties on the field and two corners. And therefore, you had Chung often going against Aguilar, which is a terrible matchup. And you often had the fourth safety going up against anyone, which is a terrible matchup. And he shouldn't even be on the field. And Butler didn't even act as the third corner whenever they went to, you know, a a typical three-corner situation. And making things even crazier... All of us, not that I know more than Bill Belichick or Matt Patricia, but thought the obvious matchup going into this game was Gilmore on Jeffrey. I didn't know they were in each other. You know, they were best friends. I knew that they were roommates. And even if they didn't know each other ever and meet, that's the obvious matchup is you put your number one corner on Alshon. And they didn't in the first half. They put Eric Rowe, who the Eagles know and know they can pick on. And Butler's not on the field. Like, all right, we're going to take a step back. We know this is a heavy man coverage team. And that's fine. But they were so predictable that the Eagles got exactly what they want. And Peterson schemed things up extremely well. I mean, a lot of bunch sets and things like that. But if you're going to put a row on Alshon, we're going to throw there over and over and over. So finally, at halftime, they make that adjustment, uh, That adjustment, and Alshon Jeffrey doesn't factor in the second half. Whoa, big shock. I mean, what are you doing? So, you know, I thought Butler would be on Torrey Smith, and then I, I threw out there, well, maybe Butler actually will be the Aguilar matchup. Well, they had no answer for Aguilar. He could have had a lot more snaps, a lot more catches. Um, 
Ertz was beating up. You, know, you got McCordy on Ertz, and for not, I mean these aren't exclusive, but I can understand that move. I mean to me that makes sense. Let's not let Ertz destroy us, even though Ertz still had a pretty big game. And you know you predictable matchups. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, why doesn't Belichick just go to zone then? You know, keep everything in front of you, run and hit, at least tackle. They're too slow. I mean, if your linebackers can't run, can't cover, which is exactly the case in New England right now, you really can't play zone. So they are a very predictable defense that couldn't rush the passer, that had no underneath coverage, that kind of shot themselves in the foot, and the Butler situation compounded matters. Do they win this game with Malcolm Butler? I don't know, but it was a close game. Maybe they get one more stop, or maybe Alshon doesn't eat him alive in the first half. I mean, maybe. But Nick Foles was phenomenal. And this is two weeks in a row where he was an A-level quarterback. I mean, played as well as anyone could expect against Belichick and Zimmer coach teams. And Vikings were one of the best defenses in the league. They didn't play like it, but... You know, Peterson deserves a lot of credit as well, as does his coaching staff, Frank Reich, DiFilippo. I mean, they are a really difficult team to prepare against. And they throw a ton at you. And I loved how aggressive Peterson was. Of course, that awesome play down by the one where Foles catches a touchdown was historic and really fun. And I don't even blame the Patriots for not knowing. But going for it late in the game, really late in the game, on your own 45, I mean... That, to me, is the balls of your call. Like, the book tells you, you, you punt that one. But he had a really good grasp of what kind of game this is. No one can play defense. I mean, it really comes down to, in its simplest form, this game was won because the Eagles were more aggressive. They realized this is not a field position game. We're on our own 45, fine. And if we go for it and miss it, we're going to hand Brady the ball 45 yards away from Pater. Okay. If we don't get it, we're going to punt it, and we're going to hand him the ball 75 yards away from Pater. Either way, we know at this point he's probably going to score a touchdown because we can't stop a soul. So let's take the high percentage play and, you know, extend it on fourth down. I mean, that... Field position didn't matter that much in this game. Possessions did. And I know you're probably sitting there going, well, the turnovers were one-to-one. Well, I mentioned the, the the one that bounced off Alshon's hand and Harmon catches it down on the three or whatever. And maybe that saved points. It probably did because they weren't stopping anyone. But that also wasn't all that much different than a punt, although there was only one punt in this game, which is insane. But... The biggest turnover of the day, of course, was the Brandon Graham beats Shaq Mason from a three-technique position, puts his hat and helmet on the ball, ball comes out, Eagles fall on it, it's time to dance in the streets. But there's two more turnovers here that you can't ignore, that don't show up on the stat sheet. I've told you many times, if you miss a field goal, that's a turnover. If you go for it on fourth and don't get it, that's a turnover. I mean, you're handing the ball to the other team. So, really, they lost the turnover battle by two. 
You can tell me, you can sit there and shake your head and be like, that's not the same. Yeah, it is, man. I mean, if you miss a short field goal, not only you don't get points, and I also blame Belichick a little bit there. And it was earlier in the game, but to me that was more not knowing what type of game this is. That you almost, if you look back, I know even if he makes it, maybe the right call there is going for it because three doesn't get you enough in this game. And he, oh, by the way, he misses it which is a turnover, and it hands it to the Eagles. So they lost, the Patriots lost on special teams, which on Friday I told you that was an advantage for them. And leading in this game, it was. You know, they were one of the best special teams teams in the league. And that weird reverse at the end of the game from Lewis to Burkhead just didn't work. But maybe we'd all call Belichick a genius if he's still running and scores. Fine. Didn't work. But, you know, a botch snap and hold, missed extra point, Missed short field goal kills you in a game like this because of the change of possession. Kills you. Situational football, the Eagles kept the, 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 the pedal down. They didn't make the mistake that Jacksonville did two weeks ago or Atlanta did a, a year ago. And situationally, I didn't love how the Patriots handled the last couple possessions. You know, even like if you remember that Brady scramble, you know, really late in the game. He probably knows today. He should have thrown that away. That, that didn't. You didn't get enough from that. So situationally, I gave this coaching advantage and special teams to New England. And I don't regret that. I mean, history showed us that was the right call. But Philly won those situations. They won the turnover battle. They were obviously extremely well prepared. Um, Foles got in a rhythm. And I thought he played extremely well and got better as the game went on. Mixed in runs well. Had a lot of advantages. Their players, the Eagles players, when they had the ball, were much better than the Patriots players. You know, like, this is a team that has a lot of needs. We'll get into offseason needs as we, as we talk later. But the Patriots don't have much. They don't have a good roster. And that was exposed in a big, big way today, or last night. Some notes from the other side of the ball. I've heard many people saying today that this was the best postseason game Brady's ever played. Might be. I mean, has to be in contention. He was awesome. He was in total command. But he missed five throws he shouldn't have, give or take. I mean, late in the game, Gronk running down the seam wide open. Brady missed that one. I know people are going to make a big stink out of the Brady trick play that he dropped the pass. And how about we had two quarterbacks that factored in as receivers today. Was that the wrong call to a non-athletic quarterback with a bad hand? Maybe. But the play call worked. The design worked. The throw could have been a little better. Brady probably should have caught it. But that's not the reason they lost. I mean, it, it hurt them. But this is an offense that put up over 600 yards and didn't punt. I mean, didn't punt. And some interesting things. I thought that they obviously were very aware of the threat of the Eagles' pass rushes, of course. And we, we all are. All were. And handled it well. You know, the tempo worked to their advantage many times. But like I said, I thought Graham and Cox created pressure. But Brady, you know, created time on his own as he often does and doesn't get enough credit for being a master of moving in the pocket but a lot of quick hitting stuff and screens and 
misdirection and slowing down the pass rush was an obvious priority. And for the most part, it worked gloriously. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? The running game didn't have a lot, but Brady was awesome. And they had no answer for Hogan. 7-Eleven was open all day. Amendola was basically open all day. Their secondary got exposed. I thought the use of Malcolm Jenkins was a really interesting one and one that I didn't see coming into this game. I thought Jenkins would be often the Gronk guy. They put him on James White, and that was pretty cool. I, I commend them for that. I didn't see it coming. I bet the or the Patriots didn't see it coming. And White was more or less a non-factor on a team that had 600 yards of offense. Gronk had a tough going early on and was often fighting contested catches in the first half. Belichick can say what he wants, but clearly in the halftime, while Justin Timberlake's singing along, the priority was made that we're going to get the ball to Gronk. And what an impressive drive that was to come out and just feed him and feed him, and he looked like a grown man playing with kids. You know what I mean? Like, it was, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with Gronk now? So, I mentioned the Butler situation, and it isn't as big a deal because obviously the Patriots' offense did not cost them this game. I mean, obviously, I talked about a lot of other factors that did. What bad defense this game. But I thought the Brandon Cooks injury was big, too. Especially when it happened, because I mentioned, you know, our buddies at my bookie, we talk about that all the time, and, and I sent a big group of my friends a text saying the two prop bets that are jumping off the page for me are over receiving yards for Aguilar, and he got there without much problem, probably could have had even more, and the over receiving yards for Cooks. Obviously, he didn't because he was concussed in the first quarter, but I thought he was missed. Again, that's not why they lost. But that big th play threat wasn't there. I very much believe it was in their game plan to line up Cooks to Brady's right and get him on Mills, who's a massive disadvantage in terms of just pure speed, and either out-route him or come back him to death or double-move him or fly patterns, max protect. And that was missed. But... Again, the offense clearly overcame that. I mean, it's a great offensive game. And like I said to start the, game, start the show, that there was one defensive play made of any consequence, and it was at a crucial time by a big-time player in Brandon Graham. And that was as big a deal as any. So I mentioned I had some cool stats and just some nuggets here that are a little disjointed, but I just wanted to kind of make sure I got them to you as we talked here. Um, some things about Nick Foles in the last two games. 20 yard pa 20 or more yard passes downfield. He was 4 of 8 in this game, 4 of 6 in the NFC Championship game. Before that, he was 1 of 12 <laughs> overall this year. On 20-yard passes downfield. And 0 and ten, zero and of 10 as a starter. Insane. Play action. Nick Foles attempted 21 play action passes Sunday. The most ever in Super Bowl history. And it was highly successful. Everything on offense was highly successful. But if you didn't realize, I mean, that that's a massive number in terms of how much play action they used. It worked extremely well. The Eagles, and especially Wentz, as the season went along, 
were well and properly renowned as an elite third down offense. And when Foles came in there, the big thing I was saying was, well, they're not going to be as good on third downs. Well, that's obvious, you know. Last two games, he converted over 70% of his third down plays against the Vikings, against Patriots. And a lot of them were third and six, third and seven. They weren't, you know, they weren't handed the LeGarrette Blunt on third and one. 70%. I mean, that's insane. Some other stuff. Um, they did absolutely step. I mean, I mentioned that, you know, there's only one sack, and that was a big thing. But I did think as the game went on, their pressure was a little bit better. Um, Eagles, I'm talking about. So it wasn't like they did get worn down. Um, I mentioned the Doug Peters, Peterson, you know, who was a superstar in this one and a riverboat gambler and really rolled the dice and was aggressive and realized what type of game it is. But going into this one, the Eagles had converted a league-high 17 fourth-down conversions. That's number one. And... Converted two of them in this game. Gigantic. So, a couple other things. Brady passed for postseason record 505 yards and set many Super Bowl records, even though they lost. He, too, was 12 of 17 for 248 on play action. Um, that's a huge number. 248 yards off play action. So, play action on both sides of the ball was a huge component of this game. Um, he also threw, threw for 340 yards outside the painted numbers. That's a huge number. Think about that. You throw for 340 yards outside the numbers. That's kind of mind-boggling. He was 9 of 16 on deep passes as well. He, too, was also great on deep passes. And along those lines, there was the most yardage ever in any game in this, this one. And if you told me that going into it, you would think, wow, Brandon Cook's Broke a 60-yarder and an 80-yarder. And Tory, they hit Torrey Smith on a 70-yard bomb. And there were a lot of big plays, but there weren't like 60, 70, 80-yard plays all over the place. You know, it was just consistent abusing the defense play after play after play. You know, like it wasn't like these speedsters. wasn't like a Ted Ginn 90-yarder type of situation. You know, it was just consistent. I mean, insane. So, a um, couple other things. Oh, Eagles gained 163 yards after contact in this game. That's a big number. And the tackling, I thought, from the Patriots was poor. And it goes to show that their team speed's a problem. They're not getting a lot of balls to the ball, a lot of people to the ball carrier. They're playing with a lot of subpar athletes, particularly at linebacker. Corey Clement, to me, was stood out as an after-contact player, but so did Ajayi, so did Blunt. Back to Butler. Oh, by the way, he had, the, he had 999 snaps this year for them, the most of any of their defensive players. But all of a sudden, they decided that he wasn't part of the game plan on this one, even though he played more snaps than anyone on defense. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. I almost believe that. Um, again, talked about this earlier. Gilmore played really well and basically shut down Aguilar a little, but mostly Alshon in the second half when he lined up against those guys. Gigantic. Um, when Gilmore was not on Jeffrey or Aguilar, Foles was 12 of 14 for 147 yards and a touchdown when targeting his two top wide receivers, 
not against Gilmore. Awesome. Um, these things you probably know. There was only one sack, fewest in Super Bowl history. One punt, fewest in Super Bowl history. 33 points is the most ever by a Super Bowl loser. Um, obviously, fi- Brady's 505 passing yards are the most in a postseason game in NFL history, period. And by a loser, obviously. Insane. 1,151 total yards in this game. I mean, just insane. Um, I thought the 